Super glad you may be seated to be here today at Family Worship Center Columbia. I want to read a scripture to you just to get us going this morning. It says it this way, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, working effectual or working to the effectual working in the measure every part, make an increase in the body under the edifying of itself in love. Let me read it again one more time. And if you have your Bible, you might have a, maybe, maybe, maybe you have your iPhone or an iPad or some other form. Take it out and read it with me, if you would. I don't need any monitor. You can turn the monitor completely off. That'd probably be easier on you. Ephesians 4 says this, 4.16. It says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. I want you to look at somebody and say, God fitly joins us. You know, when God talked about the, the church as a whole, and he, and he described it, He said we were fit, fitly joined. And I think some people think that, 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 that what He said was that we're to gather. That we're to gather. But that's not what the Bible was saying. It wasn't saying that we're to gather together. Now, we, we do puzzles like our kids will go off to the beach or whatever we'll go, and we always do a puzzle over a holiday or whatever, make it, put it in, glue it together, put it on walls or whatever. But when we do that, you know, when you empty the box and you push everything into the middle, that's gather. That's what a gathering is. That's gathering. But God didn't tell us to gather. He told us to fit. Now, I want you to understand when I spread the pieces out, we form the outside edge and then start building the middle. Once it's done, it completes a picture. How many of you have ever had a puzzle where somebody lost a piece? Isn't that wonderful? Don't you love it when you get to the end of the puzzle and you're at the very end and the dog ate a piece of the puzzle? Oh, something's missing. God didn't intend for us to be a part of something that would have something missing. How many know you fit somewhere? In the body of Christ, you fit. Look at your name and say, you're good looking in the body. You may be, not, maybe we're not talking about it in here, but you look good in the body. I'm just kidding. No, we look good. God forms us and he fits us together. And, and then we have to figure out what that is. What does that mean to fit? As you begin a church, the design of God, how God designs the church and puts it together. As you start, you know, I mean, you can start, a lot of churches start with, you know, that maybe a church broke in half and a split happened and a group went over here and started, a group went over the here. But for us at Family Worship Center, it's been a multitude of things. We've had several of those, but most of our churches have been just designed. To, we just started with a guy who could preach and we sent him out and we just said God if you put your hand on him you'll put a church behind him amen I mean no that's right and and it's worked out really well I mean I mean as we look at the church and the full nurseries and all that God has done JT pastor JT's come over here and he's done a great job in getting this started amen he's done a great job in getting this started and connecting with us and being a part of the body of Christ being part of what we're doing. This is the thing that, you know, my dad grew up as a denominational pastor. He grew up in denominational church. And so uh, in those years that we were part of the denominational church, you know, there were things they would do, but there really, the covering wasn't really that great. There wasn't really a great covering. They would go to meetings maybe somewhere and have a, a denominational meeting and then everybody, you know, could get fed there or whatever. But it wasn't like there was somebody there watching the lights and 
watching over things and making sure the doctrine was right and, and that there was a flow that was right. And, and, uh, and, and to start this church, we wanted to do something a little different. We wanted to have something that had more of an apostolic flow that would allow this church to be developed with leadership that would be contained within the pastors, but that, that, that it would be safe for the church. See, I grew up in these denominational churches. And you know, they had people that, pastors that had affairs. Some of you came out of denominational churches where the pastor had affairs or stole money. You know, I mean, the denomination didn't stop them from stealing money. It didn't stop them from having affairs. You understand what I'm saying? And then pastors would get divorced and remarried. You know what I like to say? The apostolic uh, decision that we made, I think, has been much safer than if we did it the other way. I don't know what's popping. Amen. I can, I can even use a handheld. What's, is it me popping? Am I popping? You popping? Who's popping? <laughs> but under this, under this wonderful thing that we've started, which goes back all the way to Brother Hagen, which, is, which he, he's now going on to be with the Lord, but Pastor Reggie, who is, you know, alongside of us and loves us, my pastor. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, when we look at what he's done, what's happened in, in Family Worship Center in Lakeland, he and his wife have been married for 40-something, maybe 40-something years and faithful to the ministry. They have now turned it over to their son, and he's doing a great job, faithfully committed to his wife. Uh, of all the pastors who left there and started churches, none have gotten divorced, not one. Somebody say Amen. amen. Don't you think that's good? Don't you think ministers should be able to keep their wives? And we don't have affairs and breakdowns and, and stolen money and all those kinds of things. And it's because there's been protection in the house. And sometimes we don't understand, you know, you see a church like this and you think, is it worth going to? Well, let me tell you something. In all the years we've been doing ministry, just bragging a little bit about Family Worship Center, what you are, Family Worship Center of Columbia. You know, in all the years that we've done this, starting with Florence... Do you know we've never had one teenage pregnancy in our youth group? And we've been doing this for 24 years, Amy and I. 24 years we've not had one teenage pregnancy. Do you think that word that we're preaching works? It does work. It does. Do you know in, in Family Worship Center in Florence that we've only had family, the family of God, the people that come to church. I'm not talking about the folks that come in once a week, once, you know, a month and, or never come. And then they say they're having problems in their marriage and they won't take counseling. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people that come to the church that are, that are in the house of God. that have listened to what we preach. We've only had one divorce in 24 years in three churches going on our fourth. You know, this is the thing. When John came to Jesus and said, are you the one or should we look for another? Jesus said, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, and I'm preaching the word of the Lord or the word God told me to preach. In other words, you could look at the demonstration. You could see there was something different. The church ought to be able to describe itself as functioning in a way that declares a difference. If, if the world has 50% divorce rate, the church shouldn't. Come on, so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not looking at those of you who have struggled and maybe before you learned the Word of God or when you were unsaved or even when you were saved and you fell into whatever and your husband left. I'm not talking about us going through things. How many know we all go through things? Thank God for God's forgiveness for all of us for all the mess we've been through and all the things that we've done and all the junk we've gone through. Somebody say, thank God He, he found me. Thank God He helped me. I'm, I'm going to get everybody. I'm going to come find all of you that aren't talking. 
But if we have nothing different, if we do nothing different, if what we, what we are giving to people, which is the Word of God, is ineffective, then we've done, we've done something wrong. How many would agree that the church, the Bible says, the fervent effectual prayers of righteous men and women avail much? Don't you think the church ought to be able to pray away disasters? Ought to be able to pray away? I know that the economy is changing, but my economy hasn't changed because he still supplies. My God shall supply all my needs. The church isn't going broke. It's not going under. You're not going down. You're not, you're not falling apart. God will come through every single time for you. Somebody ought to shout, Amen. These aren't just words that I'm preaching. I'm not just saying things to make you happy or give you a little bit of, of a natural happiness. I want to put something inside you called joy, which is of the Spirit. Happiness is what I show on my face. But I could have a sad face and have joy in my heart. The Bible says it's the joy of the Lord that makes us strong. I want you to know something. Believers have real joy. Come on, somebody, give Him praise. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I've got real joy. If you've never been to a church like this where the preacher jumps a little bit, hops a little bit, leaps a little bit, makes you say amen, do it today. Just have fun with it today. Because if you were at a football game, you'd scream for that hour. Scream here. Somebody ought to shout out amen. Thank God for a church that's defining difference. It's, it, it bothers me. It bothers me. And this is what we don't want to build here. This is what I don't want Pastor JT to build. Is that a church that accommodates for people's failures. That accommodates or says what you're going through is okay, let's just pray for you. See, I hear messages like that. And I hear churches, I see churches that grow. And they grow and, 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 and the pastor is afraid to touch the stuff that we need to touch. To see people change. Then people just sit in the pews. They don't change. Nothing about their life changes. Their life is still a mess. But they say, I love Jesus. They've been accommodated. We don't really want to, we don't really want to deal with the challenge. We don't really want to say, you know, that you need to you need to do a little bit better with your savings so you're not broke. I'm preaching real good now. We just want to talk vaguely and, 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 and indefinitely and softly and kindly. You know, they, they did this thing where they had the, 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 this church that was uh, uh, inclusive. And uh, 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 what was, what's the word? What did they call them? Um, seeker-sensitive churches. And they made this big effort to do seeker-sensitive churches. And this was maybe 15, 20 years ago, they started this seeker-sensitive idea where we'll be afraid to talk about the Holy Ghost and we'll be afraid to talk about the power of God and we'll put the Holy Ghost in the back room somewhere and, and if you're going to speak in tongues, don't do it in our church because that'll affect everybody and people get scared. And, and yet the Bible said, listen, if somebody jumps up praying in tongues... You're not to get mad even if you're having a hard time with you're bothered with speaking in tongues because the Bible says that, the, that we're to allow the speaking in tongues. Why would you go against what the Bible's for? And so we're trying to make people feel comfortable coming to church. Jesus didn't say he'd make you feel comfortable. He said he would make you change. I don't know if anybody's willing to shout. You ought to be willing to point at yourself and say the problem is not God. The problem is not the devil. The problem is me. Hallelujah. 
It's my prayer life. It's my time in the Word. It's where I'm living. It's how I'm acting. It's me controlling my mind. It's me. It's me dealing with my flesh. It's me renewing by my... Somebody ought to say amen. And the church shouldn't be afraid to tell you that you've got to change. Come on, I need a little more shouting than that. If you don't agree with me, shout until you leave and then you don't have to do it anymore. But you know I'm right. You know I'm right. Can't just leave everything passive and just hope it all turns out all right. He came to change us. He sent the Word as a sword. Amen. That sword is to cut and to work on us and to develop us. And all the seeker-sensitive and seeker-friendly churches, if we did a survey over the last 20 years in the church, and we went to, the, to, the, to, to, to do all the research we could do, and we have done it, just so you'll know, we have not found that through seeker-sensitive churches that the church grew. The numbers in the church have not exploded. They've shrunk. In other words, the more we got like the world and the less we were like Jesus, the less power we had to be the witnesses. I wish somebody would understand what I'm talking about. I will make you witnesses, he said, to go into all the world. Not to be like the world. Not to, not to have a Bible study with a kegger. Nobody's shouting, but let me tell you something. God, didn't expect, God said, be not drunk with wine where is in excess. There's supposed to be a seeking for the Spirit that alienates us or takes us away from the things of the world. I'm not like the world. I've been transformed. I've been renewed by the blood of Christ. Look at somebody say, you're renewed by the blood of Christ. Being like the world won't change the world. Somebody say, well, you don't understand. That church has 40 buildings, 40 churches. And the pastor's preaching some new age reference thing and thinks he's a self-help man. Did you know that pastors are not to be self-help people? That's not my job. The Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why did he say that? Not so we can go get a counseling session in some psychologist's office. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to a psychologist's office. But you ought to put the word of God on top of everything you've ever done in your life. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The church is not a self-help agency. The church is a place for the anointing to be because He said it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. Come on, somebody. It will always be. It always has been the anointing that breaks the yoke. Some of you older folks know what I'm talking about. You grow up in them churches where them fellas just got up and preached and they let the Holy Ghost flow out of them and they preached the Word of God. We are here today because those men preached the Word of God, not because they stood there and said it was okay to be a sinner and be saved. And when you get saved, you're to be saved. I'm not of this world. I've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. I'm not the same as I was yesterday. Something's changed on the inside. Woo! Somebody ought to shout amen. <laughs> Family Worship Center intends to bring you that kind of accountability. Your pastor better be praising God. He better be praying. He better be reading the word. He better be serving God. And if he's not, his pastor's coming. This is not another gospel. It's the gospel. Somebody say amen. 
I really believe this. If we preach truth, people will come to truth. You know, we tend to stay with what's real. We tend to stay with what's real. We can't just acknowledge what people are going through. We are believing for them to change. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. It's not to find out how far I can live from Jesus. It's to find out how close I can live to Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hand. Come on, just lift your hand. Come on, just say it with me. Lord, I want to live close. Say like Paul said, I want to know you. And I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. See, when I grew up, and I'm 55 years old, so I'm getting a little older. Well, I've got young children, so it makes me young. We had all-night prayer meetings and things. We left the house of God. You had to carry people out the door. Now we have to carry them in. I mean... At what point did we become an entertainment center? When, when did the church become a place where we do entertainment? You know, when we do worship, and, and worship changes a lot of changes at our church. We're, we're, going through res- we're going through a change in our music and stuff like this. But years ago, a man came to me, and he walked up to me, and he said to me, he said, you know, we've made a mistake with worship. And he said, I was riding with a guy in a car. We were driving by a church. And he says, we drove by. He pointed his finger and says, man, they have great worship. And then he looked back at the man and he said, do you mean that men like or that God likes? When he said that to me, it put me on my knees. If all we sing is one song with spoons and the Holy Spirit comes in, we did more than putting up the best band in the world to sing songs. Because the question is not whether you like the worship. Does he like what we did today? Does he like what we said? Did you know I didn't come to worship for you today? I mean, my job is to preach the word of God to you. But I'm to do it as unto the Lord. God, did I say? Or did I just, is my goal just to, to fill seats? Is that, is, that the, is that the objective of the pastor in the church? Is to just fill more seats? And do we just go to churches because they got more people in the seats? I mean, even if they don't preach the word, I listen to some things and I think, how? If there's one thing I know that's most important in the house of God, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's hearing the word of God. What you hear matters. Come on, somebody. What you hear matters. It matters what you hear. When you hear faith, you'll build faith. When you hear about the Holy Spirit, you'll build the Holy Spirit. It'll grow on the inside of you because faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the Word of God. I want you to say that a lot. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the Word of God. That first word, hearing there, faith comes by hearing, is the word information. If you looked it up, it's the word information. It's stuff that we get, we pick up, we brain-wise, we gather. The second word in that scripture that we see, hearing and hearing, is not the same word. It's a different word. It's the word revelation. In other words, in the first sentence, it goes this way. It actually says, it says, faith comes by you hearing the information and it becoming revelation. 
And it becoming revelation. See, the information you hear will help develop the revelation that you receive. How does this work? Well, how many of you received Christ in a church service? Raise your hand. All right, just when you were in the church service, somebody preached a word, you may have heard it before, but you responded to the word. It could have been the same word you heard a thousand times. How many of you have ever read a Bible scripture that meant nothing to you? And then you read it again, and all of a sudden, that's for me. Have you had that happen? Have you? Has anybody raised your hands if you had that happen? That's the difference between I heard the word and I heard the word. That's the difference between I heard the word and I heard the word. See, it matters what you hear first because where revelation comes from is what you hear. You have to hear a word. See, I know that right now, I know that I'm never going to be poor again. I'm never going to deal with poverty in my life. Never, never, because I heard a word, but it became a reveal word to me. I heard the word. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then I heard it as revelation. Steve, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. The world seeks it, but you won't have to. Don't you worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take thought for itself. See, yet that's a different kind of faith than coming up here and saying, we need to go hear a seminar by so-and-so and get in a 21-week program. I'm not saying you shouldn't be in the 20-week program. I think it's good for the human flesh to have some knowledge and some information. But the real strength of that knowledge comes from the Holy Spirit revelation. Unless it becomes real to you, it's just a seminar. It's like you getting up on, on Christmas morning and you know that New Year's is coming on on December the 30th, 31st, you get up and you're going to have your prayer and you say, Lord, I thank you that I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to get healthy again. And so I make a New Year's revolution. I'm a resolution. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to lose weight. Hallelujah. And on January the 1st, you jump out there. You signed up for the gym on a yearly program and you started running on the treadmill. But January 15th, you half the time go, and by the 31st, you quit. Come on, everybody in the room knows exactly. That's because it was not revelation to you. I've lost 53 pounds. I didn't, I've tried everything. I've done the Atkins diet. How many of you have done the Atkins diet? Anybody done the Atkins diet? I lost 43 pounds and gained back 53. You understand what I'm saying? Had a great idea, great plan. But I've been telling the church for years, I said, I want you to stretch your hands up and lose weight. I knew it wasn't healthy for me. I knew that the Lord was dealing with me about it. And I really got in faith. I really got in faith about losing weight. Really did. And all of a sudden, I would walk into a room and people say, man, you're losing weight. Now, I couldn't even tell it. Now, now you're looking at me now and you're thinking, you're still a little overweight. I'm going down? I'm only partially the way there. Amen. I I was 272 pounds. I was a little blimp walking around. And I've lost 52 pounds. I'm down to 220. And my goal is 200. That's where I want to be. And I I just left it to the Lord. I'm going to lose this weight. And uh, all of a sudden, it started falling off. me, just disappearing. He said, what are you doing? Nothing. Nothing. I, I don't know. I haven't gone on a diet. I haven't gone to the gym. Are you sick? 
no, I feel great. Nothing wrong that I know of. I don't, no problems. And I, I just kept losing this weight. And you know, it just, you know, sometimes it stagnates and whatever, but it's constantly coming up. God knows my body better than I do. How many think God knows me better than I know myself? So I was with the Lord the other day and I'm walking in my, I think it was in the back room of the offices. And as I'm walking in the back room, I just started thinking about, yeah, I'll go back to the gym and get, no, there's nothing wrong with the gym. Go to the gym. You get healthier. So I'm going to go to the gym. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do uh, intermediate fasting. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm going to help God, you know. You might know what I'm talking about. And I heard the voice of the Lord in my spirit. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I've gotten to where I can hear in my spirit. And I listen to God. It sounds almost audible to me. And I heard him say to me, he said, you want to take over the plan or you want me to finish it? How many know, I'm going to tell you something. My God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. Jesus is not an answer. <laughs> I'm going to get more shouting. I'm going to get more shouting. I just know I'm going to get more shouting. Jesus is not one of my answers. Jesus is my answer. He is the answer. I've been in the hospital room too many times to look at people who are going through critical conditions. And if God didn't show up, they weren't coming out of that. I don't care how much medicine they put in. When you go look at the doctor and say, what can you do? And he looks at you and he says, nothing. The moment you think you have the ability to do what only God can do is the moment you miss the point that Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. I want you to know something. My answer is Jesus. He's not my crutch. He's my whole hospital. Come on, somebody. He's everything to me. And to think that we could come into the house of God and turn houses of God into emotional places where all we deal with is helping you feel better about the mess that you're in is not what God intended the church to do. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear because we preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Listen to me, church. You need to be in a Holy Ghost church. If I've got to build this church off of people who are afraid of the Holy Ghost, then we not as well, we may as not a way to even build it. What are we wasting our time for? Our egos, so we can appreciate what we have in the pew and feel good about ourselves. I'm not feeling good about me, it's about Him. Not I, but Christ that lives in me. It's not my ego. I'm preaching real, real good. Hallelujah. That's what we're building here. That's what we want. We want something that's not just another uh, waste of, um, of our time for an hour. He said, to the edifying of yourselves. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company. And they reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them, you're connected to a family of churches. You're part of that family. You're connected to family. You are Family Worship Center Columbia. That's what you are. You're not just an independent church. You're a family church. You're committed to us. We're committed to you. It has leadership, submission, accountability, continued growth. Somebody say amen. amen. We went through a few things in 2020 like other churches. They said 40, something like 40,000 churches in the nation had closed from 2020 to 2022. About 4,000 churches a week. You see, that's not here. 
that's not here. I'm not talking about other churches. You may say, well, you're, you're, what are you talking about? Somebody else is going, no, no, I'm not worried about theirs. I'm just worried about ours. Somebody say, amen, I'm just worried about right here. Where do I want to be? What has God called me to do? What kind of church do I want to be involved? What has God called me to listen to? What do I need in my life? Do I want to go somewhere where they don't have teenage pregnancies and youth? Do I want to go somewhere where people don't get divorced and fall out of marriages? Do I want to go somewhere where people get up out of the hospital beds and are healed and delivered? Last, the last couple of weeks, we've had brain tumors leave people's body. We've had lungs that were restored. I had a lady who came in Wednesday night. She testified. You could go watch it on Wednesday night. They had diagnosed her son with severe heart trauma. Massive heart trauma. And they were bringing him for more testing. What are we going to do? How are we going to solve the problem? We prayed for her on Wednesday night. It doesn't take a spectacular prayer. It just takes a faith prayer. And they'll pray and believe in their heart. Hallelujah. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Jesus still heals today. Jesus still delivers today. Jesus is still a miracle worker today. He still helps us today. Listen, if you got saved and you received Jesus, you received the greatest miracle you could ever receive. You've been restored to right standing with God. If you don't believe in miracles, then you're not saved. You're saved because there was a miracle. She'd heard this terrible situation. She's, the boy's dying. It's a terrible situation. We laid hands on her. I said, in Jesus' name, be healed. I mean, it wasn't nothing spectacular. She's letting the church know. Y'all pray for me. I'm thinking, I just did. She called back the next morning. The hospital called her and said, I'm sorry. We diagnosed your son wrong. We used the wrong papers. It was another kid. Oh, I know. I know. I know. Well, you're sitting there thinking, well, that was just a mistake. No. Let me tell you something. She was believing for an answer. And God revealed the answer and turned the whole thing around. God changes the thing you can't change. If you take an aspirin today, how many of you take an aspirin? Raise your hands if you take aspirin. Be honest. Tell the truth. Don't lie. I heard you go to hell if you lie. I take aspirin every once in a while. But when I take my aspirin, I put my hands on it, and I say, I thank you, God, that the ones who developed this created a pill that's going to take away my headache for this time. Because you're not, you're, your body doesn't need an aspirin. That's not why you have a headache. And so I say, in Jesus' name, thank you, this headache is gone. I thank you for this, this relief from this. But Jesus, you're the healer. And then I take my aspirin. As I've come to realize, it still takes Jesus. Come on, somebody, it still takes Jesus I've got a little bit longer and then I gotta leave because Buffalo is playing at one it's against the Miami Dolphins this is a big game he said are you staying to eat with us I said no <laughs> I love you man but I'm gone I mean oh God loves football I thought we were gonna have a bad day I was praying I prayed all day yesterday oh I did I was seeking God I went to heaven. I'm serious. Because I knew if Clemson lost yesterday, we were going to have a softer service. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, this man loves Clemson, went to Clemson. He is Clemson. His blood is orange. I, could, I, I didn't call him because I thought of the panic while we were waiting at the, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Somebody just, just right now in this church, just go ahead and say, thank God Clemson won. <laughs> 
<laughs> he knows I'm telling the truth. <laughs> Unity in the church is, is, is vital. That's why it's so important for me to tell you what we believe because there's no sense telling you a lie. We don't need fibs and fake things. We need truth and reality. Jesus said there's two things that are important to the church. Classic. This is something from Brother Hagin. He wrote this or, or put this down. I'll just read what he said. He said, the Lord showed me that the key to the last day move of God. I want you to know something. I think just saying that brought it up. Boy, I just felt it in my spirit. Sensed it. I think we're closer to the last day move of God. We've seen the church shaking. I, I mean, a mega pastor with many churches, 13 qualified books, number one sellers on the list, was just resigned from his church because of what I'm talking about. I mean, they thought he was great. He was at every one of the seminars you could have went to. Well, we could have loaded up, driven in bus, gotten there, and we'd got to hear him preach while he was having an affair in his church. Because that's, see you got to analyze that stuff in your spirit. When I was a kid, my mom and dad taught me to discern the spirits. That's what they taught me. Learn. Listen to the Holy Ghost. Know what you're going into. Realize it's not about the fanfare and the lights and the this, that, and the other. There's something else you've got to listen to. It's the Holy Ghost. And I remember we went to this, this, this meeting and it was a man who had deliverance power and could cast devils out of people. And when we walked in the room, I'm telling you, I'm only 15 years old, but it, I, it was as if a shovel hit me in the face. I don't know how to explain it. It was like, this ain't right. And yet the people were jumping and hooping and running and hollering and flipping and all this stuff. Turned out he was fully homosexual pastoring and, and preaching and laying hands on people. You know, God loves people enough that he'll do his work even though you are lousy. Because God doesn't do things because... Pastor JT or Pastor Steve's great. He does them through us because we're honoring his word. And secondly, because he loves you. He loves you. You matter. But he doesn't intend for us to stay in those messes. As a matter of fact, that man was one of the real reasons, one of the, one of the primary reasons Jim Baker's ministry ended was because of him. And yet everybody thought it was okay. When will we get to the point where we develop our spirit enough to know it's the word that counts? If all you got's the word, that's what counts. If somebody's delivered because you preach the word, that's what counts. And I believe this, he'll add the rest. He'll add the rest to us. He'll add the rest to us. Our music ministries are just getting started. Our, our back rooms are just getting nursery workers in them. God adds to the church daily such as He should save. I believe that I'm talking to people today and I'm, I'm, I'm confining or, or building a wall around this church to, to define what we're going to do, what God has called us to do. And I'm asking you to look into your heart because if, if, listen, in all these years there's not been strife, trouble, messes, all kinds of stuff that you'd see. There's been no dis, dis, discrimination. Dis, I can't think of the words, but it's been so solid, so peaceful, and so wonderful. And if you want to go somewhere where you know you're going to be okay, I got news for you. You're in the right place. 
you're in the right place. He says, is that what you came to? Yes, I came to brag on this place. I came to say I'm, I am so wonderfully proud. That's a bad word. I'm so wonderfully happy that this place is flowing in the right direction and that it is a family worship center church. But this is what he said. He said, the key to the last day move of God, the supernatural power of the Lord, will be found in two words. Unity and accord. According to the Webster's Dictionary, the word unity means the state of being or in a united oneness, singleness. Another definition of, the, is of this quality, it means the quality of being one in spirit and purpose. So we're to be one in spirit and purpose, single-minded. That's what we are. We're a Holy Ghost church. Amen. Somebody look at your name and say, this is a Holy Ghost church. Holy Ghost church. I, I mean, find another person. Look at somebody else and say, this is a Holy Ghost church. Holy Ghost. Yell it out. This is a Holy Ghost church. Holy Accord means mutual agreement and harmony. God has called us to be one. In mutual agreement and harmony. It doesn't mean we think exactly alike. If you think I'm 100% right, you're 100% wrong. Somebody say amen. amen. Our general doctrines are probably the same. We believe that to be born again, you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. We believe you ought to live right. Amen. It's not living as far away as you can and call yourself a Christian. It's how much close, how close to God can you be? We believe in that you can repent. The Bible says that he's faithful and just. He was talking to believers. He said, when you fall, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. When we go to him and ask for forgiveness, he cleanses us in righteousness. We might be a little different on the Holy Spirit. Amen. But I wouldn't go somewhere they thought it was of the devil. That's God. That's God. You know, I love it when I think about when you think about witnessing the Catholic people, you go ahead and tell them because, you know, they put very high, high uh, definition on, on Mary. Well, do you know she was one of the very first tongue talkers on earth? She was in the upper room. She was right there in the center of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Mary was right there. Somebody ought to say amen to that. It came on the church. It was all through the book of Acts. It was always there. It's not something we deny. We don't have to always agree, though. But I'd stay anywhere they believe that people still got healed. I'd stay anywhere they still believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today. Do we believe that or don't we believe that? Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? I heard, well, the, 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 all the power left when the apostles were gone. When the apostles died, the power left. Y'all have heard this, right? Anybody heard this? Some denominations will teach this, that it left when the apostles left. But the Bible says Jesus is the apostle of our faith. The last apostle's not dead. He's not dead. He's alive. Jesus, the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was the God of miracles, he is the God of miracles. And he will ever be the God of miracles. Stop denying the power. Stop walking away from the power of God. And I know your pastor. He's been under me long enough. I've dripped into him. And he knows what we believe. 
I'm sure He lays hands on the congregation and people's lives are touched and changed. Being under the presence of God makes a difference. But we're believing for the outpour of the Holy Spirit. I was on my way back from Charlotte. We, we go up, we travel, maybe go to Charlotte for Christmas or whatever. We've gone up there as our little vacation. You know, when you're a pastor, you don't really get a vacation. You do Christmas, you do Easter, you do these things. So you have to find it like after Christmas, after Easter. Anyway, we're on our way back. And I'm just sitting in my car watching another church. Now, this church has about 30,000 in the seats. They do multiple services or whatever. They're now extended campuses and all these things. But as I'm sitting in there and I'm watching what he's doing, and so we're in the middle of the West, West Coast area, all of a sudden, their Christmas program, they fly Santa in. Ring, ding, ding, ring, ding, ding, ring, ding, ding, you know, and flying Santa in. And the elves are coming in. Then the Grinch is on the side. And he's flying in. Now, this is a big church. He's flying. He's literally flying through the sky. Snow's falling in the sanctuary. And they're celebrating Santa in Christmas during their Christmas program. They just had a group of girls on with a set of squirts that was so high you, you, you didn't miss much. Singing one of them old songs from the 50s, you know, kind of thing. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I am under no circumstances am I ever flying Santa into my church. I'm just telling you, you might want to fly Santa into your church but he, he won't be flying in here either. We're not having the Grinch on Sunday. It, it just not, we're here to preach Jesus. That's why we're here. If I've got to reach to the world. You know, and I had just gone to a church down in Charleston. Several thousand seats. The pastor got up. They were doing a, they were doing a, a message was about friends. And he was going to talk about we ought to have friends. And we needed, this was kind of how it went. And so they showed Forrest Gump. And they had... You know, on the bus where he's talking, I've got this kind of shrimp and I've got that kind of... You know what I'm talking about? Y'all seen the movie Forrest Gump? And he gets done with Forrest Gump and there's about at least 20 minutes of Forrest Gump and I'm your friend and he picks him up and carries him back and dies in his arms. All these, I'm your friend. And he reads one little scripture about being friends and he says, we, we all need to be friends. He's got the little board on the side, friends. I thought, man, that's, that's the goofiest thing I've ever seen in my life. What, what are we preaching if what we're preaching is Forrest Gump? Ain't nobody getting saved from Forrest Gump. The Bible says you can't come to the Lord unless the Spirit draws you. It takes something from the Holy Spirit for somebody to really... There are people that walk the aisle, ask Jesus to come in their heart, but they no more got saved than I'm a man in the moon. You have to believe. I'm preaching real good now. I'm preaching real... Pat me on the back. Thank you. But I'm riding in the car. I'm really, literally disgusted with this. This is a very famous man, and people love this man. And I'll never tell you his name, because then you'll be mad at me. And all of a sudden, as I'm disgusted in the car, I'm not in the car anymore. The Lord took me out of the car. We're doing about 70 miles an hour coming out of Charlotte. Everybody's in the car. My son, where's he at? They'll tell you this is the truth. Where are you, Stephen? Are you in here? You're back in the back. Did this happen or didn't this happen? Now, I'm not saying my body had left the car, but I was gone. The Lord took me on a spiritual visit. All of a sudden, I was standing 
in Myrtle Beach. I was standing. And the waves were coming across me. And people on this side of me were surfing. There were surfers surfing the waves. Some were at the very end of the wave and they were picking their board up, you know. And others were in the middle of it, you know, riding it out. Some of them were coming to the end of the wave. Others had just caught a wave. But I was sitting on the board. And I heard the Lord say this, Steve, wait on your wave. And then he began to show me not every wave is your wave. It helped me because back then I was, I'd have problems. You know, they're, they're actually watching me on video in the first service in Florence today. But I used to kind of be against all that. I'm thinking, oh, video churches, I thought you use a video churches. <laughs> that was me. I was that guy. Until I had to have it. Necessity came and there was a need for it. I didn't do it because it was what I wanted to do. It wasn't because somebody else wanted to do it. It's that we opened up Sumter and there was no other way around it. But that's not the intentional purpose. It's not what we're going to continue to do because God wants to birth pastors like JT. That's what's best. He'll put pastors in a church. Amen. But I heard him say, wait on my wave. I grew up in those Holy Ghost meetings that they carried people out of the churches. I was one of those kids that was up at the front praying in tongues and praying in the spirit as a five and eight year old. I was there when people got up out of wheelchairs and I saw blind eyes open. I was there when they prayed and really sought the Lord in those days. When they'd have the women of the church and the men of the church when they'd pray and they'd have meetings, the presence of God would come and you just watch the cloud of His presence roll into the building and you just could see it like it was, like it was real. I, I, I've been in the meetings like that along the way where I've seen God's presence. I was standing on the side one time in a meeting and a great man of God was preaching and the Spirit of God touched me in the middle of the service. My mom and dad were sitting next to me and being the kind of people they were out of denominational churches, they weren't always excited about some of the emotional stuff or, or the stuff that would happen, you know, because I mean, when you're touched by God, it's like putting your finger in the electric socket. I mean, you might scream, I might run, somebody else might jump up and down, another person might cry. You don't know how that's going to look when God touches you. We're all judging how God touched somebody. Let him touch you for goodness sake. Let God touch you. If you sit there and cry, cry. If you jump up and run around the building, run maybe, run. And I'm sitting there, God touches me. I'm losing control in my seat. I'm just shaking, just shaking. And, 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 and just, 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 I mean, it's, I'm telling you, crazy. That's all I know. What Somebody would perceive it. The ushers came and grabbed me and they had to carry me down to the front over their heads. When they got me down to the front, the man laid hands on me and a powerful move of God had touched me and hit me. I fell out on the floor. The presence of God, uh, something supernatural occurred. I can't tell you what. I can't explain it. I just know that there was a supernatural deposit. I got up, went, sat back down by my parents. And my dad looked over at me and he said, son, I don't understand about all that stuff. I don't understand why you had to shake like that. It looks like all that. Several years later, when God used me to open the church, I could say to him on that day. On that day, something happened that nothing else. I see, I didn't want to be a pastor. I watched him pastor. I didn't want nothing to do with that. I wanted to run as far from that as I could. I didn't want to touch it. I didn't want nothing to do with it. I wanted to be a businessman. I'd gone into business. I was doing well in business. And on that day, something was deposited. Put your hands up. Something was deposited. 
that impacted me such that nothing else could fill the hole that God had made for himself. Ooh. Come on, just praise him a minute, would you? That's all of us. That's all of us in this room. There's a supernatural endowment, a presence, a power that comes from the Holy Spirit that makes a difference. I want to read this to you. And I, and I, brethren, this is from 1 Corinthians. And I'm done with this. When I came to you, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech. I didn't come declaring the wisdom of a man. I came declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And he says it again. And my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom. Here's what that literally means. My speech and my preaching was not with the persuasive words of wisdom from men. My speech and my preaching wasn't about a man's wisdom and it wasn't to perverse or to persuade you he said, it was not with those things. See, that's what we see. I don't know if I preached a good message today or not. I have no idea. I just said, God, will you, will you help me say something that makes a difference? When people, when I hear preachers, they say, oh, I just can't wait to preach a kitchen. Oh, oh, I love to preach. I just love to preach. I always want to run out of that room. Because the, the capacity of what you do here with the words that you speak should make an impact spiritually, not mentally. God, did I say... What you wanted me to say. No, oh, no, no. Did I go four months ago and come up with a series? No, we're doing messages that are flowing in a certain flow. This is about following God. And, but we don't, we don't just sit back in some room somewhere and come up with ideas that come from our head. I'm not saying that that's wrong. It's wrong for us. Does anybody understand what I just said? It's wrong for us. Because we should be in a room asking God, what do they need to hear today? I'm, I'm of this persuasion right now. And when I get done, you're going to have a persuasion of the spirit you didn't have before you came. That your reliance on the next bill won't be just because you got a bigger paycheck. Is that God will make sure your paycheck goes as far as you need it to go. That your healing in your body is not because you took the next pill. Because you trusted God that every pill you took and everything you did in obedience to God's word equates to I'm healthy and whole. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. God wants you blessed from the top of your head to below your feet. Somebody say amen. And everywhere you go, the anointing goes with you. And everywhere you go, you transition the atmosphere. Everywhere you go, you transfer power from you. And somebody is affected by the fact that you showed up in the building. Because you're a Holy Ghost man. And it flows out of you like light flows out of the sun. The power of God's moving in your life. I'm not just a Christian by name. I'm a born-again, tongue-talking, walking, believing. Oh, the fire of God in my life. God, I want to know more about you. I want to wake up with you in the morning. I want to go to bed with you at night. 
God, you're working. I know I get loud. I can't help it. It's just like, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I'll just start putting the microphone way down here and scream at it, I guess. I'm sorry. I don't mean to yell. You can't. You just can't help it. You start talking about the goodness of God and the power of the Lord and the anointing that's on your life. And watch how He transforms you and turns it around. I've gone 55 years watching God flip stuff and turn stuff. And I was on my way to Columbia. I'm driving down the road. As I'm coming down here, my son Brian plays football for Clemson High School. Oh, I'm sorry, Wilson High School. I got, I got three, three minutes, all right? Y'all, look at your watch, three minutes. As we're driving out of my driveway an hour away, he's coming to max speed over here to train for running. And he meets another coach over here that trains him for throwing, Ramon Robinson. Anyway, we're on our way. As we're coming down the road, boom, bang, bang, boom, I hit something, but I got to get to Columbia. Y'all ever been there? You got to get there. My time, they're charging me. I got to be there. You understand? And I'm like, Lord, you got to keep us. You got to keep us. I got to go. And I didn't feel the tire go down. It didn't go flat. So I'm thinking, we good? We good? Good. So I drive all the way to Columbia. When I get to Columbia, in my mind, I'm thinking, you've got to change. You got to go look at this thing. You've got to look at it. You got to go get it fixed. This is what I'm talking about being different. I live my life this way. Don't I? I live my life this way. I'm, I'm just, I get there, we go into max speed, we come out, we do the things we do, and I forgot. Have you all ever forgot? Now I'm halfway home, and, the, and it hits me in my head. <gasps> I ran over something. I should have went to somebody. And all I could do was trust God. Have you ever been there where you're about to go out of gas, and all you could do is say, God, don't think you made it on your own. You did not make it on your own. You know when you wheeled in there and it went out of gas and you just rolled up next to the gas station. I get home, park the car, and the tire immediately went flat. I had driven all the way to Columbia and all the way back, knew nothing that was wrong, had to have the tow, the, a tow truck come and tow the car to Sam's to put a new tire on. When they took the bolts... There were two holes, and two bolts had gone through, probably bigger than my fingers. They were, they were bigger than my, about the size of my thumb, had gone through the tire where it had gone through. Those two holes were in that tire. I drove all the way to Columbia. I drove all the way back. You say what you want to. This is what really happened. Stephen, where are you? You can verify the truth. Is it true or isn't it? Absolutely. God kept me because I serve a God who's more. He's more than enough. I don't need another help self-sermon. I don't need you to give me another personal diagnostic. I don't need you. I need the Holy Ghost to show up in my car. I need Him to come into my cell phone. I need Him to show up in my children in my house. I need the help of the Holy Ghost. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, church! It's not the wisdom of men. It's not persuasive speech. It's not more chicken soup from the soul. It's not more stories that make you feel good. It's not applying to your emotions. I pray to God I didn't just touch your emotions. God, let them know more than enough. And then he says this with words of men's wisdom. But I came in demonstration of the Holy Spirit. 
You read it for yourself. It says it. I came in demonstration of the Holy Spirit that your faith would not stand in men's wisdom, in their good ideas. Because every one of us, I can tell you, I've been through it, and I know Pastor JT's been through it, where you're, you, you get the pressure from the devil to say, more numbers, or why aren't we doing this, or how come it hasn't moved faster? Or, I know this. I look at this and I see where you are. It's more than you were last time. If we just let God breathe. When he breathed on man in, at the beginning, and life came into him, he became life because of the breath. We need the breath of the Holy Spirit. It's not more lights and a bigger screen. Ah, we'll probably do that because we got those kinds of heads. That's how we think. JT loved lights and screens. But not so the church would grow. I mean, that may enhance the service. But if all you had was lights and screens, you really don't have much at all. I came that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of a man, but in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. We should want the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, JT. I think y'all can do better than that. Let's give it up for Pastor Steve. Come on. Come on.